0: Welcome to the Today's Market Explained podcast. I am your host, Brian Castle, and with me as always is the amazing co-host, Chris Reardon. Chris is the director of development, and I'm the CEO and founder of Four Star Wealth Advisors. Our promise with this show is to share the most important investment opportunities that we are seeing in ways that are easy to understand and hopefully even easier for you to benefit from so you can make money quickly and easily by investing. Each episode will detail the most important important market updates and how best to benefit from them and we will also be interviewing subject matter experts who can give insights into new and exciting markets and other investment opportunities so to maximize every episode's value please go to todaysmarketexplained.com to download quote 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals unquote trust us this free gift will be your cheat sheet for reaching your financial goals in the shortest possible time and to see all the best and most valuable moments from this episode please go to today's market explained on tiktok instagram and youtube now let's see what's happening in the financial markets welcome back everybody to the four star podcast and today we'll do a full review of uh the economy the markets where we stand uh i'm brian castle and welcome to my co-host mr chris ridden
1: chris welcome to the podcast thanks brian good afternoon everyone and uh, glad to be here
0: all right well everybody chris is our four-star director of development, master of all things portfolio, still loves his Cleveland Indians and Browns, I might add. They're doing better. And uh, Hudson, the golden doodle puppy, and the nice, young, new addition. Avery. Avery. Avery Reardon, which is mm-hmm. great. So uh, welcome back. Uh, I'm Brian Castle, founder and CEO, uh, four-star. I'm an Eagle Scout, a trustee of the National Boy Scout, foundation, advisor to CEOs and insiders. Uh, I'm a Cub fan, not an Indian fan, um, but nonetheless, and also uh, the chief dad to Quinn and Evan, and husband to the amazing Tripti. Uh, I wanna tell everybody again, if you like what we're hearing, please give us a five out of five in Apple iTunes or any of the podcast services that you're on. We're gonna talk about the markets and then the economy and then things that we see out there that are affecting all this. Uh, Chris, why don't we start talking about where we stand Since our last podcast, where are we? Uh, What's up? What's down? Where are the asset classes?
1: Yep. So um, not a whole lot of change, actually, from the last podcast. We still have domestic equities in the number one position. Uh, 319 tally scores unchanged. Uh, It's unchanged from the last podcast. Uh, The movement, uh, actually, in the second position, we saw some movement. Uh, Commodities it moved down two points from the last podcast to 263. Uh, international equities in third um, was at 238 tally points, and that's unchanged. Uh, fixed income in fourth, 19 tally points, plus one from the last podcast. Cash is in fifth, uh, 97 tally points, um, and that was unchanged. And currencies, it uh, was still in last place. It did gain one tally point, and it's at 49. So not a whole lot. We did see commodities weaken a little bit. Um, there's a lot of different factors, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast, that, that, that could be happening uh, with some of it has to do with China and other certain aspects going on uh, around, the, around the world. So, uh, but overall, it's been relatively stable, um,
0: so it's been good. So it's interesting, uh, the last couple of weeks have been a lot of turmoil. Uh, we've had uh, big things going on on the border, uh, the aftermath of the Afghanistan thing, markets have been a little volatile based on that. And then uh, then this week, of course, as well now, uh, China's uh, uh, outlawing cryptocurrencies now for their people. So that's really volatile. So even with all that volatility, we saw very little movement in aggregate within the groups.
1: Yeah, I mean, even with, um, you know, you also had the uh, Chinese uh, big developer who may possibly go bankrupt. Um, There's a lot of. major factors out there. But even beyond that, I mean, the market um, today, it's been relatively flat. Yesterday, we had a big upwards move. So uh, it's remained remains relatively strong.
0: Yeah. And this group Evergrande uh, uh, developer in China was apparently going to pay their big payment, which was the big issue yesterday. And it turns out that they didn't. So now there's a big issue uh, that they may actually go bankrupt and the Chinese government's going to let them go. So um, it's confusing as to what's going to happen there. But even with all that turmoil, a little bit of movement up and down, we don't see much movement. And that just kind of highlights the fact that it's important to kind of see the whole picture and understand what your strategy is and how much risk you're taking. And sometimes just because there's news and highlights and and uh, lowlights, if you will, it doesn't mean the markets are really moving or reacting to it.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think you know, if you were not paying close attention yesterday, you would have thought maybe the markets were, would be, you know, crashing or going down because of this ever grand news. Uh, but in reality, they went up once again, due to the fact that I think uh, people thought they were gonna make their payment uh that was due yesterday. Um, and then today we're seeing a little bit of a pullback um, as a repercussion uh, from what happened. So, um yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of moving parts going on right now. And it's not only in the US, it's global. So. There's so many different aspects of it. I think that, um, you know, it's important to pay attention. It's important to, I think, also remain uh, calm. You know, there's gonna be some volatility, I think over the next couple months, both one time, once again, both the downside and upside. Um, so I think it's, you know, you know remain calm and just, you know, if you have a process, follow it.
0: And that's what we're doing.
1: Well, and meanwhile, our market's going back
0: up, uh, back to the levels of last week. Uh, so, you know, I think things are okay. We're We are seeing some, weirdness in companies because of the trends relating to uh, labor and, and COVID still, uh, FedEx uh, labor-intensive business, missed earnings, so that stock got crushed. And Disney, uh, their interactive isn't doing as well as they thought, and the parks aren't completely fully uh, populated yet, so they they uh, have been hurting as well. Uh, so that's kind of what we're seeing in the markets right now. Uh, technology's acting a little bit better. Um, you know, things like that. Not much news there, right, Chris?
1: No, yeah. I mean, I think um, you saw Nike would be another highlight. Um, I think they had earnings either after the close yesterday or this morning and they missed heavily as well. So there's definitely been some misses uh, from the earnings um, that have come out so far this quarter. But um, yeah, I mean, I think overall we've just kind of been in this slump and I think the volatility that spiked has mostly been driven by um, events. You know, I think people are really sensitive to this Evergrande, they're sensitive to the Federal Reserve, um, what they're going to do. There's a couple, you know, events and, and I would say aspects out there that people, the markets are really keyed in on. Um, and depending on which way things go, uh, we'll see an injection of volatility one way or the other.
0: Yes. So let's turn to the
1: economy, Chris. Um, I know you've got numbers
0: on jobless claims and homes and things like that. So let's review those.
1: Yeah, so um, the jobless claims numbers came out for last week, which was the week of September 17th. Um, They were down slightly 16,000. Or they were up, sorry, they're up slightly 16,000 to a seasonally adjusted 351,000. So that's up from 335,000 the week prior. Overall, kind of a non-factor. It's still right near pandemic lows. Um, So I would say overall that's relatively good news. We've kind of seen that still remain flat. Uh, so we still have hiring um, is still strong there. Uh, existing home sales on the on the flip side, they dropped 2% in August. So we're starting to see the uh, housing market cool a little bit. Um, it dropped 2% in August from July, so month over month. Uh, and then year over year, so August of this year from August of last year, it was down 1.5% existing home sales. So. Um, overall, um, that's the first time we've really seen a year over year decrease since June of 2020. So, which is really kind of towards the very beginning of the pandemic, that it's the first time we've really seen slow down. Um, overall, um, I think that, um, you know, that's, um, makes sense. I mean, the housing market has to slow down a little bit. I think it's healthy. You know, I think it's healthy to see it take a little bit off here and there.
0: Everything was on a tear.
1: Yep. Yeah, so cool off a little bit. I think that'll actually help the housing market in the long run.
0: The Federal Reserve came out and uh, as is typical, Chairman Powell gave a speech. Uh, The Fed's only done that in recent uh, decades. In the 70s, they would never even talk to the public. They would just issue their, their words. Now they give a big speech. So the speech was the taper is coming soon, meaning they're going to pull back from some of the assistance and then re- expecting rates to rise in 2022, and then further tapering into 23 as well. So they're preparing to get us out of the pandemic. Uh, and, and we're wondering, though, they keep saying inflation is transitory and temporary, but yet these are the kind of moves you would do if you were worried about inflation, uh, because uh, so much money is in the economy. So by pulling back on some of the assistance and pulling back on some of the uh, easing that's out there, Uh, then maybe that would also uh, tamp down inflation. So whether they're worried about it or not, they're taking policies that say that they could be worried about it and they're not talking about it. We don't really know. Um, But August inflation, as we talked about in the last podcast, was up 8% year over year. That's the the worst number since 1981, which was the aftermath of the 1970s inflation era. Uh, So those are not, that doesn't sound transitory to me. Um, I guess is a one year is considered long term or I don't know I don't, I'm not even sure but it's not really short term they've had we've had inflation for all year now um, and uh, we're only a couple weeks out now from the ending of the benefits that were coming the extra unemployment benefits and there's uh, some other smaller assistance programs that were part of COVID. Uh, so. Uh, the bet, the effects of the empl- the people who are getting those extra benefits now uh, being incented to go back to work we haven't really seen that yet but there were 10 million over 10 million job openings and I believe 12 million people unemployed so there's a big gap there that gap will narrow over time uh, but yet even though the federal government pulled back on some assistance there's still people that want to keep that going the city of Chicago announced that they're going to try to pay $500 monthly to all families at a certain low income level. Uh, and so there's, that's a whole theory. Do you continue to pay people assistance or not? That's why we have federal welfare, but now States and, and cities are getting involved in the act as well. So that's a little bit confusing. Um, yeah, the vaccine, well, the vaccinations are up to 61, 4% of people have now have one vaccination, uh, and. But ironically, even even though uh, the rules are you have to wear a mask and be vaccinated, uh, New York Post has found seventy five percent of restaurants are ignoring certainly the mask mandates and they're probably not checking whether people are vaccinated or not. Hmm. So,
1: I mean, I I think that that's one of the things where we are seeing a little bit is I think that there is a little bit of um, loose with with the rules, I mean, it, there is, you know, the the, the laws or mandates or, or um, orders kind of going on, if you will. Um, but, you know, once again, people have to follow them. Um, and you do have people that are pushing back, I think, a little bit more this time around.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, and, and there's a lot of turmoil now because some people think the pandemic rules need to be released. Uh, we shouldn't be having a mask mandate. Uh, we should not be having vaccine mandates as well. So uh, the president, uh, we always want our president to do well, but this president's poll numbers are now upside down. Whereas disapproval is higher, 10 points higher than his approval ranking. And then his regular uh, voting numbers are down to 31%, which is the lowest in the last century. So he's not in really good shape right now. Uh, a, lot, a lot of that has to do with all the policies out there uh, by the current administration. We hope they can turn this around, but right now it's not great. And it can affect the economy uh, with the Afghanistan disaster. America's not seen as strong anymore. And so that can't all affect our economy simply because money would ne- not necessarily flow here. People would be less inclined to work with America because they don't believe we're as solid or trustworthy as we had been in the past. Um, but anyway, uh, moving on to uh, what we see out there. Chris, you had uh, looked into oil production. I know that
1: yeah i think one of the interesting things is you know especially with the president now and, and um the party that's in power i guess you will um you would think and they've been pushing a lot of green agenda and a lot of um you know uh, uh environmental um sustainability but um interestingly enough the u.s oil production is actually set to increase by 800 000 barrels a day um over the course of 2022 so next year we're supposed to see an increase of a um, little under a million barrels a day, and this is actually being um, led by little-known privately owned companies that are insulated from the stock market. So you don't have the Exxon's, the Shells, you know, these kind of small rigs that are that are doing fracking. They're doing, you know, this revolutionary uh, oil rig, uh, oil dr- drilling, and um, you know, we're set to increase by almost a million barrels, which is pretty incredible. And I think it's one of those things that highlights that, you know, even with a um, uh, presidency or, or a uh, political party in power, um, you still have the market, you still have competitive companies. Um, and if there is money to be made, they'll go out and do it. And, and even if if it's going to hurt a company that's public that may get hit in the stock market, you'll see private companies come in and, and take over there. So uh, it's really cool. It's really interesting to see. And I think it's one of those things that has kind of flown under the, under the radar. Yes. And I think you had some other things, too, about the airlines, press, I
0: believe. Yep.
1: And then um, earlier this week, we saw an antitrust suit come out against the American JetBlue Alliance uh, that kind of debuted this year. It was agreed upon last year. So this will be an interesting thing to watch. Um, we've obviously seen a lot of volatility in flights uh, over the past year, year and a half with the pandemic. Uh, and so the lawsuit came out claiming that the alliance is more than alliance. It's essentially a a backwards way of doing a merger. Um, And if this happened, it could diminish the competitiveness of the air travel industry. Uh, JetBlue is obviously uh, known as a more uh, cheaper alternative, a more uh, discount, if you will, airline. American's one of the big, big airlines, and they're obviously much larger than JetBlue. So um, it's really interesting. A lot of people looked at it as a way of, is it a way for American to kind of skirt uh, the, the rules and laws that would forbid a merger between American and JetBlue or an acquisition of a a JetBlue by American, is this a way for them to kind of get around that? So it would be interesting to see if it holds up. I think there's merits on both sides. So we'll see, we'll see kind of uh, what happens in the courts.
0: Yeah. Usually when, uh, there's an alliance like that, it's like, it's just like a merger because they can lower costs and, uh, but they don't have to own each other, you know, essentially. So,
1: Yeah, and I, you know, some of the highlights of it. I mean, you know, they do have their own separate company still, but you know, some of the highlights were they could offer their flights, so you could go to American, the American website, um, and book a JetBlue flight, uh, things like that, and they would kind of market flights from the other company on their own website. So uh, there's a lot of nuances to it, but we'll see kind of how it shakes out. It'll be interesting because, you know, that could revolutionize this if, if it does pass muster.
0: Right. Interesting. Interesting. What else, Chris? You had a few other things, I think.
1: Yeah. And I think one of the things um, to highlight with the um, we talked about kind of fracturing some of the relationships is uh, the U.S. actually just agreed to a new deal with between Australia and uh, the U.K. Um, and what this is, this is an arms agreement to sell submarines uh, to the um, to Australia, nuclear powered submarines. Uh, but where we're seeing a fractured relationship is between the United States and France. This has been headlined in the news a lot. And a lot of this comes down to France was pretty much almost 90% of the way to securing this contract to provide uh, diesel powered submarines to Australia. And this would be worth upwards of $4 billion. And to put that into perspective, France's current um, defense industry does about $5 billion. It would essentially double uh, their defense um, industry. Um, and so it was a very big deal for them. Uh, that kind of got pulled out from underneath them at the uh, 11th hour uh, as the U.S. kind of decided it wanted to uh, in- infuse itself a little bit more into the uh, Asia-Pacific region. So uh, by providing Australia with nuclear-powered submarines that allows the US an ally there that'll have, um, you know, capabilities to, you know, navigate whether it's the South China Sea or other highly um, hostile areas. So um, it'll be interesting, obviously, you know, we'll see what happens. I think we burned a lot of bridges um, with the EU, especially with France. Um, So we'll see, but I think what this says is the US is very serious. And takes kind of the the threat and the possibility of a threat um, in that Asia Pacific uh, region seriously, and and we're willing to you know undercut essentially or come come in under a um, an ally of ours.
0: Make sure we have control.
1: And then um, the exactly, and then the last thing I'll mention: um, uh, palladium prices. So or palladium prices, we've seen this, um, you know, we've talked about this with uh, the semiconductors, you have, you know, a lot of these uh, manufacturing and, and commodities have, have we've seen them come up. Uh, well, we've seen palladium prices drop significantly. They've flown 18% in September, and this is a, um, a direct result of the auto production decreasing. Uh, so because of that chip shortage, you have a lot of the auto, auto manufacturers slowing down their production. Uh, because there's no use in building cars if they're just going to sit on a lot and wait for a, a microchip. Um, and palladium is actually a very key ingredient in emission filters uh, used for the gasoline engines, um, the catalytic converters, things like that, that help uh, stop emissions. So uh, that's a very key ingredient. So we're seeing a very slow a slowdown in the uh, demand, and that's hitting the price. It's down about 18% now since, uh, since the beginning of September. Interesting
0: yeah uh that's uh, auto auto emissions and you know the auto the whole auto industry is down uh they can't make enough uh because they don't have the people to make them and stuff so there's still a lot of dysfunction pandemic-based dysfunction in the economy primarily surrounding labor and uh, and and people so um moving on to some other areas uh you know if we ever needed to know what china's intentions were Uh, They tell us pretty much every day. Uh, China now, after having jailed uh, the very famous CEO, Jack Ma, who built the Ant Group into an amazing uh, worldwide company, now he's back at the company after having him in jail and taking most of his assets. But now they're requiring the Ant Group to share all their data with the People's Bank of China, which is controlled by, surprise, the Chinese Communist Party. So now basically uh, the Ant Group is under complete control of the Chinese Communist Party uh, and that's how they run things over there and they want all the control. So it's not a surprise to anybody here, but there are a lot of people think you can deal with the Chinese and they'll be fair and they're not. Uh, Now they announced this morning a new prohibition on cryptocurrencies. So anyone that owned cryptocurrencies now uh, cannot. Now for full disclosure, in, this, in the 1930s, Franklin Delano Roosevelt did the same thing to gold. So they were worried that gold was becoming a substitute for the dollar. And so is China worried about cryptocurrency currencies becoming substitute for their currency. So they just decided you can no longer own it. And that kind of led me to believe that maybe America might do that at some point if the dollar is threatened. And the way we we are adding debt, and we're up over 30 trillion now in debt, and uh, well over 100% of GDP relative to the size of our debt, uh, you know, maybe they will do the same thing here eventually because the dollar will be threatened if we keep doing these things that we're doing to ourselves, adding debt. And so one way to solve that issue is to make sure that people don't have some alternative asset. Uh, it's only a short-term thing, but nonetheless, uh, that's what they might try to do. So uh, the Chinese started out first and they're gonna pro- prohibit Cryptocurrency and all the Bitcoins are getting hit, all the different uh, cryptocurrencies are getting hit today. Um, Anyway, uh, and then uh, just a couple other things we saw that were interesting to mention that we thought we would before we end today. Uh, We saw an interesting article and study about who starts companies and how it affects economies. And most of the time, usually when people start a company, they're younger. Uh, 60% of companies are funded by people under 35 years of age. So as societies like Japan or America or Europe get older and older, more mature, then they're less and less innovative. So it's important to keep young people around. We like young people. They have lots of energy, uh, lots of ability to start things, lots of innovation ideas. And so that's just, I thought that was interesting and that's obviously a challenge to the de- developed world that gets older and older and older. Uh, and then uh, also and that, that uh, discussion will be on the four star uh, website in the blog for the leadership matrix. So there'll be an article explaining more details on, on that trend on how companies are being started more and more by younger people. And also another really interesting article about the barriers to change and, and behavioral change. Uh, and there's a whole study on that as well. And again, uh, there's times when countries put up big barriers that keep people from changing uh, and, and adapting and that also can slow down commerce. Uh, and so there's another article that'll be on the Four Star uh, website on their Leadership Matrix um, site specifically. And then one last one that we're posting that I think is very interesting uh, is all about. Um, are we really more productive at home? So now after a year or so of many people working at home uh, on Zoom like we are right now, uh, now people are going back to the office. Some people don't want to. Then some companies were going to go back and now they're not going back for a little while or to the beginning of next year. And and so you know maybe it isn't always positive to go and work at home. Uh, there are certainly, we've seen depression and, and lack of productivity, a lot of different things that happen to some people when they work at home. And so there's a long University of Chicago study in an article about that issue, all the, the positives and negatives of working at home. A lot of it has to do with your personality. Some people love to work at home. They love to work alone. They don't need people around them. Other people do need people around them and need to be in a collaborative environment. So we posted some really interesting things to look at relating to incentives, how people respond to incentives, how we live our lives and how it affects us economically and how we succeed or not in the economic world in a competitive environment. So um, a lot of interesting stuff there, Chris.
1: Yeah, fascinating. I mean, I think, um, and we continue to evolve. I think it's really interesting to kind of look um, you know, in retrospect, look internal and see kind of how, how can we innovate, how can we really develop and, and continue, you know, I I think that's the key with, when you look at capitalism, when you look at, um, you know, how we're going to evolve to the future, I think, you know, we need to continue to have uh, revolutionary ideas. So it'll be really cool to see kind of, you know, how this evolves going forward. It will.
0: Well, great. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Let's leave it there. Thanks everybody for being together with us on the four-star podcast. Um, Chris and I have some other interviews coming out too, some vet fascinating players in the economic world. We'll be hearing those uh, shortly, uh, and we'll be back with a full episode of the podcast in a couple of weeks. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to learn more about maximizing your stock market returns with the least amount of time and effort, please go to todaysmarketexplained.com and download our free guide on the 65 investment terms you must know to crush your financial goals. If you felt any benefit from this episode, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes and share this with anyone you think will also find value and benefit from this. And please follow Today's Market Explained on TikTok. TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube to see all the short video clips covering the most valuable moments from today's episode. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. We can't wait to tell you everything we're seeing in the financial investment markets. This podcast is provided by four-star wealth advisors for the general uh, public and general information purposes only. The information is not considered to be an offer to buy or sell any securities or investments. Investing involves the risk of loss and investors should be prepared to bear potential losses. Investments should only be made after thorough review with your investment advisor, considering all factors, including personal goals, needs, and risk tolerance. Four-star is an SEC-registered investment advisor maintains a principal business in the state of Illinois. The firm may only transact business in states in which it's notice file or qualifies for a corresponding exemption from such requirements. For information about four-stars registration status and business operations, please consult the firm's form ADV disclosure documents, the most recent versions of which are available on the SEC's investment advisor public disclosure website at www.advisorinfo.sec.gov.